0: Uh, If you're anything like me, you've probably looked at your life at some point and thought maybe you could have made different decisions or better decisions, right, where you said, you know, if only I had taken that job things would have been better. Or only if I didn't take that job, it would have been better. Or maybe I should have pursued that that raise. Or, or maybe you said, you know what? I had kids way too early. I shouldn't have done that. If only I'd waited. Or I had kids way too late. If only I'd had them earlier. Or maybe I shouldn't have married that person. Or maybe I should have married that person. Uh, I never should have dated that person. I absolutely should have asked that person out. And I don't know why I never pursued that. I wish I had kept that house. I wish I had sold this house i wish i had moved at the right time i wish i had not moved at the right time and if only i had made the right decisions maybe i would have not just a better life but i would have a better impact in this world i would be more influential if only i made the right phone call at the right time then then maybe my life would be different and maybe i would have a greater influence on the world my guess is that some of us have had thoughts like that reflecting at your life. If only, if only I had done this. And, and when you think that in those terms, you, you come to this place where you look at your life and say, well, maybe I've kind of messed up God's calling for my life. Maybe if only I hadn't made those bad decisions, maybe they were involved sin. Maybe God could use me in a greater way. Or we look at other people, friends who've made different decisions, and you look at their life and their influence and how they work for the Lord, and you, and you go, oh, wow, I, I could be, I wish I could be like that. But we've talked about this before. I am convinced that the life that God has given you right now is your greatest calling. Actually, no, I misspoke. It's not just your greatest calling, I think it is the greatest calling. That there's no higher calling to the life situation you find yourself in right now, as long as you are sharing the love of Christ, sharing his gospel with those around you. I think all of our life situations, your life situation, my life situation, it is the highest calling in our lives. So, why should we do that? Why should we look at our current situation as the highest calling? in our lives the highest possible calling as we are in first corinthians chapter 7 verse 17 paul says this to the church in corinth read along with me in your bibles he says let each one live his life in the situation the lord assigned when god called him that is what i commanded in all the churches was anyone already circumcised when he was called he should not undo his circumcision what hold on put a, put a pin in that was anyone called while uncircumcised? He should not get circumcised. Circumcision does not matter, and uncircumcision does not matter. Keeping God's commands is what matters. Okay, so you're looking at this like, wait, wait, wait what's happening here? Okay, this isn't so much of a, um, of a procedural issue. This is a cultural issue. What's happening in Corinth, you have uh, Jewish believers who were circumcised, and you had non-Jewish believers who were not circumcised. On the one hand, you had Jewish believers who were working in a Gentile world among Greeks, and they were saying, you know, being circumcised, it kind of has its drawbacks. People look at me and they say, oh, he's Jewish, that means you're weird, and so my business prospects are weird, my social prospects are weird. And there was what theologians call a minor surgery that you could do to give yourself the appearance of being uncircumcised. I'm not going to go into it, but frankly, that doesn't sound like a minor. It just doesn't. Like, Oh, it's a minor surgery. Yeah, okay, well, it's easy for you to say, right? So, so they were going through this so, so that the, the Jewish people could see more Greek. And then, of course, how life is, the uh, Greek people, the non-Jews, the Gentiles, uh, they, were, they were in the church, and as people were coming fa- to faith in Christ, there were some other individuals who'd come into the church, and they'd say, hey, you know, faith in Christ is good, but you know what? If you really want to love God, you got to be circumcised. <laughs> like, oh, okay, I'll take two. right?" <laughs> like, how holy can you get? Yeah, that was a reference to a Mel Brooks movie. Uh, <laughs> but, but Paul is saying, because they were saying, oh, I want to be holy. I, I want to be more holy. And Paul's saying, no, 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 no. All that matters is that you're following Christ. And you know what? Your highest calling is the situation you found yourself in. If you are Jewish, embrace your Jewishness. If you are Greek, embrace your Greekiness. Not geekiness, that's a different thing. I, I mean, embrace that too, but different, different, <laughs> different issue here. Embrace the situation God has put you in. You are born a Gentile. You live as a Gentile. That's the situation God has called you to because He wants you to have the greatest impact there in your life. He says in verse 19 circumcision does not matter and uncircumcision does not matter. Keeping God's commands is what matters. So, why should we see our current situation as the highest calling from God? Because keeping God's command matters more than our cultural situation. right? For them, there was always a pecking order. If you're among Greeks, it wasn't cool to be a Jewish person, so you're down here. If you are among Jewish people, it wasn't good to be a Greek, so you're put down here. And everyone's trying to leverage for their social standing and their culture. And Paul is saying God has placed you in the culture and the situation He's called you to for a reason. This is your highest calling right now. Follow the command of God. Share the love of Christ. Share the Gospel of Christ wherever you are. That is your highest calling. Don't worry about the culture you were born into. Um, When I was... Well, my family, we have some people in our extended family who can only be described, and this is their self-description, so I'm not like cast They're backwater redneck hillbillies, okay, right? And I can remember, as even as a kid, that small part of the family I really didn't want anything to do with. I, I really didn't. I mean, they were rowd, they were they, they were rowd, they were loud, they were rough. Uh, they had some life situations and some of the, the the those family members made poor choices so it was always awkward and difficult to be around them and i remember one cousin who was about my age man like we he would come over and or we'd be over there and he was always rough and tough and I was like ah i can't stand this guy no right so i and even as a kid i wanted nothing to do with that part of the family i'm like nope i'm better than them i don't want anything to do with this part of the family fast forward a few years I'd say just maybe about two or three years ago, maybe five years ago, I don't know, time flies when, you know, COVID time, Uh, who knows, Uh, it could have been a hundred years ago for all I know, but no, a few years ago, uh, one of my cousins, this same cousin who was rough and tumble and, you know, I couldn't stand to be around, friended me on Facebook and I'm like, oh, uh, I don't want to, no, I don't want to. And I was actually just telling my wife a story about him. Like, and then all of a sudden I get friended. I'm like, oh, no, I want nothing to do with this. I want absolutely nothing to do with this. Come on. Like, I don't have to. I've, I've, I've moved to California. I'm in Michigan. They're still in New York. We're fi- I don't need to deal with this, okay? So, you know, then I start looking at, uh, you know, his mutual friends. And it's like every other member of my family, everyone else. So I'm like, oh. So politically now, Right, I can't ignore him and say, "Well, no, right? Like, oh, I don't, you know, I've got like over a thousand friends. Oh, I'm really careful about who I'm friends with. I'm not. So, I, you know, and Hein, and I just like, and, and so for no other reason other than political, and I don't think I could get away with it. I friended him. I, I received his friend requests. Um, oh, I don't know, maybe about ten minutes after I received his friend requests, and I'm just like, whatever, you know. I get a private message on Facebook. He says, "Hey, Nathan." You know, good to, you know, that you connected, you know, with me on Facebook. And he told me a story. He told me about how, he said, (laughs) I want to thank you for all the times that you guys had me over at your house. Those were some of the best memories of my life. Um, My life growing up, you know, was chaotic. And seeing a stable, loving family was helpful praying before after meals. That planted the Gospel seeds when he went into the military. He heard the Gospel and he received it with joy. He had a transformed life. He now has a, a wife and a beautiful family. And he's talking about this transformed life in Christ that he had. And he's like, I just want to thank you for you know, you know, being a great cousin growing up and giving me that stability. What a piece of garbage I am, Right? Like seriously, I'm like spending my entire life trying to avoid this guy. The guy that God has put me put into my life, into the situation I was born into. God's like, "Hey, you got this hillbilly redneck portion of your family, embrace it." There are some fun things about it. They know how to swim in lakes. Water moccasins, they know how to shoot them. Don't worry about them. You'll get bit a little bit. You'll scream and cry. And then we'll, we'll go take care of it. Embrace it. But I'm over here like fighting. I don't want anything to do with it. I don't want anything to do with it. I don't want anything to do with it. And in spite of myself, here my cousin is over here saying, wow, what, a, what an impact you guys have had for Christ in my life. Wow. And I'm, I, want not, I wanted nothing to do with it. I want nothing to do with him in that side of the family. What a piece of garbage I am. Right? And I think that's what Paul is telling them here. Some of you are like, man, I wish I was Greek. Some of them are like, man, I wish I was Jewish. And he's saying, look, God put you into the position He did because it is the greatest calling in life. Not just your life. I mean, this is the body of Christ. The, the body of Christ, the Kingdom of God, is made up of all of us as individuals. There's no part that's more important or less important than anyone else. And so we need to work together. He's placed us, if you want to continue with the military metaphor, like soldiers into the correct places. Look, I can't minister in your context. You can't minister in my context. The reality is, as a pastor, I have to work hard to have non-Christian friends. I really do. It's very hard because, you know, most of my life is consumed by the church. And most of you are believers. Um and so it's really hard for me to to continue those relationships with non-believers but but more than that like I don't have the skills you have I can't go to your job and 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 I don't have your friends and I don't have your family and I can't minister like I just can't so Paul takes this idea where people say, "Oh, oh, I've got to go into ministry, whatever that means, uh, in order to have an impact for God." Like I really seriously, I think me as the pastor of this church, I have less of an impact for the kingdom of God than you do or can if you choose to love people in the name of Jesus. He says, "Look, this is the culture that you have been born in. Circumcision doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you're Jewish Uncircumcision doesn't matter if you're a Gentile, a Greek, does not matter. Keeping God's commands is what matter. Love God, love others in the name of Jesus. Um, (laughs) In keeping with the cultural idea where I have uh, growing up, some of the uh, closest people in my life were the Pfeffers, and uh, Casey and Max Pfeffer were, were good friends, and uh, they were Jewish, ethnically Jewish. Their parents had accepted Christ, and then they had accepted Christ as well, uh, and so they were they were Christian Jews. And what was cool with with them is, you know, they, they maintained some of their, their Jewish heritage uh, while being Christians, and, and one of the neat things that's happened in the last, you know, I don't know, 50 or so years is that uh, there have been many Jewish people coming to faith in Christ, but it's a hard switch from the synagogue to the church, and so Messianic congregations are growing up. And it's great, because it's, it's saying like, look, we, we, we are still culturally Jewish, but theologically, we're Christians now. right? And I think that's a wonderful thing. Um, well, my friend, my friend Casey, him and his wife, they went to a Messianic congregation because they're like, Let, you know, let's see what this is all about. So they, they go into the Messianic congregation. And he said it was embarrassing. They treated them like they were, they were trophies or something. And they're like, oh my gosh, you're Jewish? And they're like, yeah. Wow, hey guys, we've got a real Jewish person here. Because this church had decided we're going to be Messianic Jews. But none of them were Jews. None of them grew up in a synagogue. They were just like, "Hey, we're gonna pretend, we're gonna culturally appropriate Jewishness to ourselves, because that's gonna be the cool thing." And then when they had them there, they were like, "Whoa, we've got one! Whoa!" Right? Do you think they ever went back? (laughs) No. I mean, that would be like us as a church saying, "You know what's really cool right now and what's growing is K-pop. Everyone loves K-pop, right? K-pop's the cool thing. So you know what we should do? We should become a Korean church." Right, and Korean churches are really important. Right, I have a lot of friends in seminary who are, uh, were from and continue to minister in the Korean context, and you need that, uh, especially if you're outside of Korea and and you have people who are second or third generation Korean, and and culturally they're singing the music. Sometimes they're they're speaking the language of the mother tongue. That's helpful, right? <laughs> but but what would be the problem with us being coming to Korean church? They're not Korean, right? I, I, I haven't looked at the demographics recently, but I mean, Grand Traverse County is ninety nine point nine nine percent Caucasian, right? The amount of Koreans in Grand Traverse County is like 0.01. you got to be kidding me. It'd be ridiculous. Paul's saying don't, don't try and shift who you are. God placed you in your life, in your family, in your neighborhood, in your con- context for a reason. You're the only person who can minister amongst the people that God has placed in you. In your family, in your neighborhood. Now, of course, does this mean we can't minister cross-culturally? No, of course we can minister cross-culturally. But we don't pretend that we're the other culture. And we don't pine and wish and say, oh, I wish I didn't have this segment of people in my life. No, we just say, this is where God's put me. How can I share the love of Christ with these people? We should look at our current situation in life as the greatest calling because our culture doesn't matter. All that matters is following the command of God. Love God, love others. Do it in the name of Jesus. There's another reason though. There's another reason we should look at our current situation as, is, as if it is the most important calling because it is in verse 20. Paul says, let each of you remain in the situation in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Don't let it concern you. But if you can become free, by all means, take the opportunity. For he who is called by the Lord as a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who is called as a freed man is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of people. Brothers and sisters, each person is to remain with God in the situation in which he is. He was called. So let's talk about slavery in the ancient world. I mean, it's different. Today's slavery, uh, there's more slavery now than at any point in human history. You're aware of that, right? Uh, Largely because of human trafficking. That doesn't look like slavery, chattel slavery in American history, uh, which was uh, exclusively based upon race. Uh, which was evil. Um, In the first century, slavery was also evil, but there was a huge uh, difference between slaves. I mean, you could have slaves who were in mines. Uh, You could have slaves that were tutoring their master's children and were highly educated individuals, right? and and, and everything in between. Uh, There were slaves that managed property, that held property. Um, There was everything in between. It was still evil, it was still bad. Uh, And and slavery was not based on ethnicity, it was pretty much based on conquered people. If you're a conquered person, uh, you could be claimed as a slave. Still evil, still bad. But what's incredible here is Paul is saying, he's not endorsing slavery, but he's saying, look, your social status in the kingdom of God does not matter. There is no difference in the kingdom of God between a freed person and a slave. Between an incredibly wealthy master and a slave who has absolutely nothing. What matters is that you were bought by Christ. What matters is that you belong to Christ. And so, Paul is telling them, you, you need to look at your current situation as the greatest calling because social status doesn't matter in the face of Christ. It absolutely doesn't. You are bought by the Lord Jesus Christ. It's like the difference between a um, in our in our culture we think oh a doctor wow what a what an exalted position right and eh, garbage collector well that's not so much in the kingdom of God you have a doctor you have a garbage collector there is no difference between them. They both have the greatest calling to use their vocation to bring glory to the name of Jesus Christ. There is no difference. When they stand before Jesus, He's not going to say, well done, doctor. Mm, Garbage collector, not so... No! It's even playing field. Jesus has bought us. He loves us. He cares for us equally. It's kind of like... You know, if you get a raise at your job, if you get a promotion at your job, right? They don't give you a promotion so that you can go work somewhere else. Here Jesus is saying, I have bought you, you are mine. I don't need you anywhere else. Serve in the situation you find yourself in. Love people in the name of Jesus. Share the gospel in the name of Jesus in the situation you find yourself in. Uh, Or um, you think about like the Tigers. If the Tigers spend a few million dollars on a new pitcher, Right, they don't spend that money, so the pitcher can go play for the Yankees. Right, they don't. They don't do that. Neither does God buy us and say, "Well, I'm, 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 I've saved you my, by my sacrifice, by my blood, so you can go do something else." No, he, he's, he knows the situation he found us in. Your current situation is the most important. Uh, think about your, your kitchen. Uh, we woke up this morning very early because the power went out, right? Nice. Last night we heard the rain. We're like, oh, praise God. I looked at the weather and I'm like, oh, we're not going to get much of anything. They're getting stuff downstate. We don't have to worry about anything. It's fine. Woke up at 4 a.m., no power. <laughs> Hooray, with a newborn. And another kid who freaks out when there's no power. Anything slightly changes in the house. What's happening? It's the end of the world. I heard the power go out. I jumped out of bed to go meet the kid because I knew it was going to be a problem. And by the way, anyone else not have power here? Oh, you guys? It's back? Praise be to Jesus. You were doing it during the message? (laughs) My own household. Jesus said something about the enemies of God will be in uh, in his own household. No. Um and Chelsea didn't have any power, right? Chelsea texted me like, hey, we don't have power, you know, like does the church have power, right? So yeah. So small little group of people that have been frustrated without power. Um but uh so we're I'm looking at the the kitchen and I'm like, okay, what's the most important appliance in the kitchen, right? Like, what yeah, <laughs> What do you, what do you guys think, you guys have kitchens what what's the most important appliance you have in your kitchen coffee pot refrigerator stove Oven, right? Now, right? Like, and you can argue about this. We can place, we are like, all right, guys, we're going to make this a post My kids do this all the time. They're like, what's the most famous video game? What's the most famous restaurant? What's the most famous character? Who's more famous, Superman or Spider-Man? And I'm like, it's not how it works. I mean, I guess it is, but it doesn't really matter. Which is a more famous chair? What? Are you kidding me? I, nobody knows or cares about that. They ask all the time, like, which is the most important, right? Which is the, right? We could put, like appliance deathmatch movies together or something, right? To figure out which, which one's the most important. But the reality is that they're all important, right? I mean, I hooked up the generator to the refrigerator, right? Because I don't want the food to spoil. But if I'm trying to make food, then the oven is more important. But, you know what? After I hooked up the refrigerator, you know what I had to do? I had to go and get another extension cord and hook up the coffee pot. (laughs) That was very important. In fact, my wife was like, I was like, do you want your tea this morning? She's like, we can do that. And I was like, I made sure we could. Right? They're all important. But they do different features. Right? You don't have three refrigerators in your in your kitchen, well, some of you might, if if you're in catering. But you don't have like 12 ovens, right? You've got each of them because they have a different function and different feature. I think that's the image Paul has given us here. He's Saying, look, you could say, uh, you know, this person in this life situation is more important or less. The pastor is the most important kind of, of Christian that there is. And I hear that all the time. Like, and I, I've told you guys this before. When I was ordained, the pastor said to the congregation, which was, I don't know, about a thousand people, uh, and I was less than that at that time, but but a lot of people, he said to me in front of everybody else, there is no higher calling in life than what you have right now. And I'm like, bleh. Um, I really I got physically nauseous when he said that because that's just absolutely not true. That's anti-biblical the greatest calling in life is the calling the situation you find yourself in now if you choose to use that situation to share the love of christ with people and everything you do you do in the name of jesus it is the most important calling in your life in fact i am convinced the congregation has more impact in the world than the pastor ever can or ever will and so it's, it's kind of ludicrous, like say, which is the most important uh, appliance, right? They're all important. They all do different things. They all have different features. They all have different abilities. We can't say one is more or less important than the other. Um, does that mean, you know, Paul said, don't let it concern you. Stay in the situation where you were called. Does that mean that we can't ever like pursue different things in the situation we find ourselves in? Does that mean we can't pursue education or buy a new house or move to a new neighborhood or get a new job or look for a promotion? Of course not. That's not what Paul is saying. He said, hey, if you're a slave and you can buy your freedom, go ahead and do it. Right? So if you're, if you're in a life situation and you say, hey, I want to pursue education and I want to go for this job, absolutely, go do that. But wherever you find yourself, that is the situation that God foreknew that you would be in and He has called you to represent Christ well and to share His love, to share His gospel. However you can. And whatever you do, you do it in the name and the glory of God. So, we should look at our current situation as the most important calling in the world because social status doesn't matter compared to being loved by Christ. So we saw that uh, there are two reasons that we should look at our current situation as the highest calling. And one is that our culture, the situation you find yourself in, God can use you there. Second one is that your social status doesn't matter in light of Christ follow His commands, follow Christ, no matter what. If I can be a little more personal here, uh, you guys know that I serve with Crosstalk Global pretty extensively. Uh, and uh, that's the group I go over with Vietnam and I train pastors to train pastors. Uh, and it's, it's really cool. I, I, you know, it's amazing. And right before COVID hit, I was out in California and we had this big meeting and everything. And you know, it, it's, it's incredible. Through Crosstalk Global, I'm friends with, I know personally I can call up. I can ask and request favors from uh, individuals that are incredibly impressive, right? Like one guy I know, he is in charge of training all of the military chaplains in the the army, the navy, you know, all, all branches of the uh, of the uh, the uh, military. He's in charge of training all of them how to preach effectively. Whoa, I know that guy. Um, I know. Uh, One of my uh, uh, friends is in Romania. He has received the Presidential Medal of Honor for his work in IT work with Romania. In fact, he's so impressive that they keep trying to get him, every president that comes into Romania, they keep trying to get him into their cabinet. And he's like, no, right? Like, that's crazy. Any president asks anyone to be in their cabinet, the answer is Yes, (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and he's just like, no, I don't want to, right? Nah, eh, I got other things to do, right? I know that guy. Um, one of the other guys I know, he's in charge, uh, he's the president of Convene. Convene is this uh, Christian organization for Christians, Christian business leaders, like high level business leaders. And they basically disciple Christian business leaders to lead their uh, businesses in Christ-like ways. I mean, he is, he is the president of an organization that oversees multi-millionaires and multiple millionaires across the spectrum. In fact, just a few years ago, they got their first Christian billionaire in there, which is like crazy. I know that guy. It's, it's unreal. I know the pastor of the largest church in Pennsylvania. I know the pastor of the largest church in Panama, who is also ironically, not ironically, I think it's the way it should be, uh, one of the most humble men that I know, one of the most Christ-like people I've ever met. Right? I know all these people. It's all incredible. And as I'm getting to know them, then the worst thing that happens is that they turn their attention to me and they go, so what do you do? And I'm like, <clears throat> I'm a pastor. And they're like, oh, cool, where? Kingsley? Where's that? And then I'm like, It's like Traverse City. They don't know where that is. And then I like, but it, but 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 south of there in in Kingsley. And they're like, I okay. And they're like, well, how many people do you have at your church? And I'm like, man, like a hundred if we're doing really good. And they're like, oh, what else do you do? And I'm like, oh, well, I'm a podcaster, right? And I have the Untold. Oh, you know, right here, right. I've got the Untold podcast, capturing the culture's imagination through speculative fiction. I'm your host, Nathan James Norman. We didn't win the award we were up for the other night, by the way. Thank you. I needed that. Um, I also need that song Chelsea sang as we're singing, like, I'd rather have Jesus and men's acclaim. And I'm like, yeah, I would. <laughs> right. Um, right? I'm like, oh, and they're all oh, this cool podcast, you know, how many people are you listen oh, A few hundred, maybe. <laughs> right. It's not that impressive. Um, we make like, I don't know, 60 bucks a month, which all goes into production costs. Um, you know, oh, I've written books too. Yeah, know, I've I've had you know a story published every year for the last uh, six seven years. Uh, most of those books are now out of print and you can't get them anymore. And oh, how much money have you made on your books? Not a dime. I've lost more money writing than anything else. And you, it's always that awkward. They're like, oh, okay, cool, right? And I'm like, who's this idiot? Who let this idiot in, right? Because everyone's like, oh, this impressive person, this impressive person. But the reality is. No one ever treats me like that in (laughs) crosstalk. That's just the way I feel in my own insecurities. But the reality is, according to Paul, the situation that I find myself in is the greatest calling in the world. Being here at the Orchard Church, being here in Kingsley, where nobody knows where it is, this is the most important thing. This is what Christ has called me to. And if I was at a church of 1,500 people that that um, that Christ called me to, it's not like you know if there was two divergent paths and Path A, I'm at the 1,500 church, and Path B, I'm at the 100 people on Easter if we pray real hard kind of road. You know, if I'm here and then those two people go before Christ, it's not like Christ is going to say, "Well done, you had more people." That's not how it works. That's not how the kingdom of God works at all. He just says to be faithful where we are. So you might find yourself in a very impressive position and Christ is saying, well, be humbled. You're a slave of Christ. You might find yourself in a position where you're saying, I'm not impressive at all. I'm a nobody. And He says, yeah, you're highly elevated with Christ. He's freed you for His good purposes. Your current situation is the highest calling in life. It's the highest calling in life because your culture doesn't matter. All that matters is paying attention to Christ's commands. And your social status doesn't matter. He knew your social status before he formed the foundations of the earth. Your life matters. He called you here for a reason. One of the most toxic things in Christianity right now is the the evangelical industrial complex, which has all these book sales and all these celebrity preachers and everything. That's not how the kingdom of God works. What did Jesus do with celebrity? Every time Jesus had celebrity come to him, right, and he was all popular, he would always say something hard and then everyone would leave, right? Like, masses are following him and he's like, if you want to follow me, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they're like, peace out, right? And all that's left is the 12. Every chance and every opportunity he got popular, he was like, "Mm, I'm going to say something hard so that almost everybody leaves. The kingdom of God works through individuals. It works through peoples. It works with us being faithful in the situation we're called in. In the kingdom of God, the difference between a multi-billionaire CEO and a McDonald's worker is nothing. Is the CEO being faithful? Is the McDonald's worker being faithful? That's all that matters. Be faithful in the situation you find yourself in. That is the highest calling. And no one else can do what God has called you to do in your life. Let's pray. Father, we are so obsessed with social positions. We don't have any official positions or social statuses in our in our culture, but we have a lot of unofficial ones. We have unspoken ones. We have different financial statuses and and levels. And we identify ourselves with so many things. And yet, Father, You have called everyone in this room to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. To believe that Jesus died for their sins and rose again. And that if we respond to that Gospel message, You adopt us into Your family. You forgive us of our sins. You fill us with the Holy Spirit and You call us to share that same love, that same gospel with those around us in whatever situation we find ourselves in, whether we're students or whether we're employed, whether we're unemployed, whether we work from home, whether we uh, take care of children, whether we take care of parents, whether we have good neighbors or difficult neighbors or no neighbors at all. You have called us To be faithful in the situation we find ourselves in. You call us to show the love of Christ in the situation we find ourselves in. There is no higher calling. I pray, Father, us as a church, we will continue to love each other despite the artificial man-made social stratuses that are out there. That whether we come from blue collar, white collar, no collar, social situations and working situations that we will love each other we see each other first and foremost as brothers and sisters of Christ more importantly we see each other as God the Holy Spirit sees us as children of the most high God who Jesus bled and died for who is called to his good purpose I pray that as we interact with others that we will realize that we've never met a person who isn't made in the image of God And who a Christ has not died for. Jesus has died for everyone. And he rose again so that whoever might believe might be forgiven of their sins and have eternal life. Father, help us to be faithful in the situation we find ourselves in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.